Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Podcast. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. Before we get started, I have to tell you about a brand new release. Today, Toby Sumter's No Mere Mortals, Marriage for People Who Will Live Forever. In recent decades, we have essentially reduced marriage to a permanent roommate situation with sexual benefits. But marriage is not about something as low stakes as who gets to control the remote. Your husband or wife is no mere mortal, but an eternal soul who is going to grow closer to God or further from Him because they are married to you. Add children to that mix and you get even more eternal souls. That's why the biblical picture of the family is something far more powerful, far more dangerous, far more glorious, far more like a nuclear reactor than anything else in modern society. Get Toby Sumter's No Mere Mortals today at nomeremarriage.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Douglas Wilson. I'm the host of the podcast. So if you came looking for Douglas Wilson at the podcast, you did right. You did well. Good job. The topic for today, the topic at the top of the, this episode is I want to argue, I want to spend a few minutes on this theme. Property rights are human rights. Property rights are human rights. We live in a time when Many people want to oppose property rights to human rights because they want to say property rights would be that which is enjoyed by the uh, daddy warbucks or the, or the rich capitalist or the, the tycoons. The tycoons are all concerned about property and they are con they, the person we're talking to, they're, they're concerned about human rights. They're concerned about food and clothing and affordable housing and you know minimum wage and all of that. The difficulty is this one. Uh, there is no way to separate a man from his property without making him your dependent. If you make men and women your dependents, what you've done is you have enslaved them. If a man has his own property, if he has his own small business, if he has his own livelihood, his own way of making a living, if he's paying his own bills, earning his own living, keeping what he earns, feeding his own kids, then he's a free man. If you say, well, the vicissitudes of life are such that the stock market goes up and down and there's wars and there's famines, and so we want, a, we want everybody to have a guaranteed annual income. We want everybody to have a meal ticket that means that nobody ever goes hungry. Everybody has a roof over their heads. Everybody has free medical care, etc. Now, when you guarantee housing, to everyone. I'm not even getting into the fact that when you do this, you wind up with very crappy housing. When you have guaranteed um, healthcare, free healthcare for everybody, what you wind up is, with is crappy healthcare and, and you know, crappy jobs and all, all of that. But I'm not talking about the quality of these things. Let's suppose for the sake of our discussion, let's suppose for the sake of this uh, debate, that the quality of these things that you're providing is decent. Decent healthcare, decent housing, a decent job, decent everything. What this means is that you you have um, successfully enslaved that man 
and he is a pampered favorite house slave as opposed to a slave working out in the fields in the heat of the sun under rotten conditions. In other words, the slavery is the problem. If you are a mistreated slave, you've got an additional problem. But if you're a pampered slave, you still have a problem, and that is you're not a free man. So basically, if you detach a man from his money, if you detach a man from his property, if you detach a man from ownership, what you're doing is you're saying, I want you to be a slave. I want you to be dependent upon the state. Now, what do you call that condition of utter dependence? Well, that condition is slavery. That's what it is. Pharaoh offered full employment. So, uh, you know, what was the unemployment rate when the pharaohs were building their pyramids? Well, I'd be willing to bet that the unemployment rate was pretty low. Everybody had a job. Everybody had a task. Everybody had something to do. And they needed to do it without straw when they were slaves that were being mistreated. But there were apparently other times when they weren't mistreated the same way, but they were still enslaved. So, basically, if you want men and women to be free, then you have to stand up for property rights. And that means that there are certain things that can't be removed from someone. You can't take his money. You, you can't redistribute wealth uh, by majority vote. One other comment, and we'll be done with this uh, point. When the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not commit adultery, it is presupposing the institution of marriage. If there was no such thing as marriage, that prohibition of adultery makes no sense. When God prohibits adultery, he is presupposing and validating the institution of marriage. And he sa he's saying, I want the boundaries of this institution to be respected and honored. Do not commit adultery. So when God says, do not steal, thou shalt not steal, what's being presupposed there? The institution of private property is being presupposed there. If God says, thou shalt not steal, that commandment makes absolutely no sense unless there is such a thing as private ownership, unless it's possible for a man to point to that acre, that small farm, and say, mine, or his boots, and say, mine, or to his silverware and say, mine. If you can say mine, then the prohibition of theft is a prohibition that makes sense. Without private property, that prohibition makes no sense. And also, without private property, there's no such thing as a free man. Property rights are human rights. We're continuing on with the podcast, episode 168. Hamartiology is an instructive field of study but only if you conduct your investigations with both your Bible and your eyes open. There are many hamartiologists that are wandering through that field of study, blindfolded, tapping their canes. You want to make sure that you're paying close attention to what the Word says. Blaberas is a word that is used only once in the New Testament, and it means hurtful. All right, so blaberas is a word that is only used once, and it means hurtful. Uh, the one place it's used is in 1 Timothy 6, 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful, there it is, many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. So, at the same time, even though the word is only used one time, at the same time, the word is placed in such a context as to be filled with instruction for us. 
The word is addressed to those who want to be rich. This is the instruction. But they that will be rich, this is what uh, Timothy is supposed to warn them about. Those who want to be rich have to be warned have to be warned of certain things. Those who are eager to get rich fall into a temptation and snare, it says, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Notice that the unseemly desire for wealth results in many lusts. So one lust gives birth to many lusts. The lust to be wealthy is a lust that is has a litter, uh, a litter of, of smaller lusts. So the, the lust to be wealthy results in many lusts. The one lust is the opening to many lusts, and these many lusts are both foolish and hurtful. How hurtful? Well, what is the nature of the, and so what is the nature of the hurt? Those who pursue wealth in this way wind up drowned, it says, in a sea of destruction and perdition. They wind up drowned in a sea of destruction and perdition. Not good. Continuing on with episode 168 in our podcast, my book review this time around is a book called The Price of Panic. It's by Douglas Axe, William Briggs, and Jay Richards. Three men wrote it. As it happens, yesterday, the 1st of November, I made this book my Book of the Month Club selection uh, on my blog. If you want to read what I have to say about it there, you can go uh, look at November 1, where I review uh, the book, and I have a number of quotations from it. This is a timely book, and the reason it's a timely book is this. Uh, Our world has a lot of people in it, billions of people in it. This thing that we just went through in the year 2020, I'm talking about the COVID part. I'm not talking about the BLM part or the riot, and they're all part of a bigger story, but I'm just here talking about the COVID part, the the lockdowns, the masking mandates, all of of that stuff. This is something that was um, global all over the world. Now, every nation dealt with it at some level. Some nations responded minimally. Some responded very judiciously, carefully. Others, um, totally bonkers in their response to it. So, this book, The Price of Panic, is analyzing our American response to COVID-19, and it is looking at a number of variations on that response all over the world, things recommended by the World Health Organization. So, there's the CDC here in America. WHO, uh, the World Health Organization, on a broader global scale. So we're looking at Sweden, we're looking at Japan, we're looking at Taiwan, looking at mainland China, and so on. Okay, so that being the case, the fact that we have had this massive, hysterical, and panicked reaction to COVID-19 all over the world in a frenzy that has involved tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people, millions of people, millions of healthy people put in lockdown for months. All right, so g- given that that's what we just did, that's what just happened, what does that mean? One of the things it means is that the panic will pass and the science will out. I'm, and by science, I mean the actual science. The, uh, at some point, people are going to start asking, uh, is this necessary. So, uh, given the fact that we have millions of people involved in this uh, Chinese fire drill, at some point, we're going to look around and say, was that really necessary? Was that, was that 
actually called for? And, um, and the answer is going to be no. And there are so many millions of people looking at this thing that it will not be possible to hush it up. The skeptics and the dissenting voices and the people who said, I don't know about this, in the middle of a stampede, in the middle of a panic, in the middle of the spook that everybody went through, you can silence those people for a time. But the arguments for the lockdowns, the arguments for the masking mandates, the arguments for all of the things that we did are refutable. We can test the claims that were made. We can look at the numbers. We can look at the deaths. We can look at the infection rates. We can, this is something that can be examined. And although you can keep that sort of thing hushed up for a short time while everybody's panicked, you can't do it long term. You can't do it long term. So uh, what you're going to see is a steady stream of books and articles and uh, statements like the Greater Barrington uh, Declaration, books and books like this one, The Price of Panic by Axe, Briggs, and Richards, where they, uh, what, what they do is they walk through all the um, incongruities, the inconsistencies, the problems with the uh, officially government-mandated social media-induced panic. And they analyze them judiciously, carefully, thoughtfully, and show that uh, this was, you know, this was really not necessary. This was something we shouldn't have done. So, The Price of Panic. Uh, this is one of those books, and I, I trust that there will be a whole, uh, a long train of books like this after this one, but this is uh, one of the first. And I think it is well done. It's remarkable that they were able to turn a book this uh, as researched as carefully as this was, as documented as it is, for the, for them to turn it around in the short space of time that they did was really remarkable. And I, and I believe that we should we should do what we can to make this a bestseller. Um, I would encourage you to get you know get copies of this book to give to people for Christmas presents. You might want to give it to your brother who is kind of dismayed at your cavalier attitude toward COVID. Or you might want to read it yourself in order that you might develop a cavalier, not, not cavalier, but a, a more judicious, sane response to COVID. The Price of Panic, it is a really, really fine book. If you want to know what just happened to us, if you want to know what just hit us, this book will tell you. Mm-hmm. 